the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Deuteronomy. Praise to the God who reigns above. God had reminded the next generation of Israelites that they were to worship Him wholeheartedly and to worship Him alone. No longer would they be journeying in the desert wilderness. The Israelites were on the cusp of entering the Promised Land. But once in there, they were to continue putting the Lord first. This was included in their sacrifices and offerings, their dealings with one another, and in how the leaders lead the people. We saw that the Israelites were not to turn to the worship of other gods, nor to witches, soothsayers, people that interpret omens, nor sorcerers. We join Pastor Will in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 11 to continue to the list of people the Israelites were not to turn to. Next it mentions, or a charmer. This would be someone who would use incantations to invoke power. These individuals would usually use hand signals to tie magical knots that others couldn't see and make things happen. I remember when I was at a church revival meeting once, I come from an occult background. All my friends were Wiccans and witches and, and all that kind of stuff. So I saw them cast spells on girls they were trying to seduce. I remember there was one time I had a friend of mine who they put together this elaborate concoction spell they were trying to do to get with this girl, sleep with this girl. And I was like, dude, that's just stupid. That's crazy. And then I watched as he did his thing and then he walked right up to the door and she let him right in. We look at this stuff and we think, well, that's just hokey television stuff or whatever. But the devil isn't the Lord, but the magicians were able to do some of the things that Moses did. He does have some power. He's not just a natural being. He is a little bit supernatural. He's not unlimited. He's certainly nowhere on God's scale, but he can do some crazy things. I was exposed to this stuff. So I was at this church meeting, this revival meeting, and it was a meeting where they were knocking people over and, and you know, making people speak in tongues and do things against their own will. I remember just feeling the oppression in the room. And then all of a sudden, as he's just doing his thing, he starts doing this stuff in the air with his finger. And it freaked me out because I had seen that kind of stuff. I remember I got on the phone, pay phone with my, I was a teenager at the time. I'd been brought there by someone from my church. And I got on the phone with my parents and I'm like, you need to come get me. And they're like, we can't get you. And I'm like, I'm in the devil's territory. I'm not in the Lord's territory right now because I've been exposed to stuff and I'm freaked out right now. And I remember we got back in the car and, and somebody said, what did you think about all this stuff? And I said, I don't need to tell you what I think. I can tell you what it is. I said, that was witchcraft. I was like, that wasn't the Lord. That was the devil. If anything I have seen when I see Jesus, he is a gentleman. God doesn't come up to you and smack you on the head and knock you on the ground where you break your back. And then he got to get up and heal you because he just broke your back. God doesn't kick you in the stomach so he can heal your cancer. You know, like some of these, you laugh, but some of these guys have done things like that. That is not the Lord. That is the devil. 
So these charmers, he says, stay away from these folks. I don't care what kind of miracles they do. He says, stay away from them. A consulter with familiar spirits. This is someone who served as a medium for the spirits of the dead. You can find some of them right on Colonial. A wizard is next. This is not Gandalf the Grey or Dumbledore for anyone else. This is one who talks to the spirits of the dead. A wizard is someone who talks to the spirits of the dead for the purpose of gaining hidden information. So this is not just somebody who becomes a channel for a dead person, but this would be someone who claims to talk to the spirits of the dead so they can get information that you, don't, you could not naturally know. Again, you can hire one of those guys, I think, on Fairbanks. They're right there. Next is a necromancer, and this is someone who would actually conjure up the spirits of the dead. This is what the witch of Endor was in 1 Samuel 28, 7. Remember where Saul's so just terrified because the Philistines are coming, Samuel's dead, he doesn't know what to do, God won't speak to him, and so he comes to the witch of Endor and he says, I need you to call up the dead so I can figure out what to do. And of course, who comes up? It's Samuel. And you know, what's his word of advice? Get your house in order, buddy, because you're going to be with me this time tomorrow. That was not exactly what he was hoping to hear. Now, a lot of people ask the question, was that really Samuel or not? I don't know. I know this. People don't have the ability to call up the spirits of the dead. Most of these people are hucksters. But let me tell you this. The enemy can imitate that, though. And he is a deceiver, a liar. And you know what? People say, well, I know it's real because they they knew things that they couldn't know about my dad or my mom or my sister or my friend or my neighbor or me. Well, yeah, guess who does know those things? The enemy knows those things. And so he will impersonate those individuals. And so he's been studying humanity for much longer than you and I have been alive. And he does a pretty good job at it. He's a marvelous liar. Now, all of these things that we see here, all these ways of seeking God or the gods, they were defiant acts by mankind who were saying, God, we don't need you. We don't need your word. We don't need your law. We don't need your ways. We'll figure this out on our own. And for that, God had to judge them. That's why he was driving them out. So Israel was never to do them. He says in verse 12, for all that do these things, they are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God does drive them out from before you. So Israel was never to do these things. God's word was to be enough for them. He says to them in verse 13, you shall be perfect with the Lord your God, blameless, innocent. Don't get anywhere near these things. Don't get anywhere near these things. For these nations which you shall possess, they hearkened unto observers of times or unto diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. And, you know, I ask you this, this evening, you know, is God's word enough for you? You know, is God's word enough for you? Or are you constantly looking for signs and omens to lead and guide your life? Most of us would probably never walk into a, a place where they conduct a seance or go to a, a palm reader or something like that. But there is a subtle Christian form of this type of witchcraft where they're always looking for signs. Like the word of God isn't enough. They're always looking for signs. I know the Bible says this, but you know, God told me this. Beware of that. Beware of having your life being guided by all these events that happen around you. I'm not saying that God can never do that, but beware of being dependent upon that. Stick to God's word. That is the only place where there is absolute surety of what God is doing and what God is saying. It's the only place that you can know this is the Lord. You know, there are many times I've had circumstances in my life where I thought, man, it definitely looks like the Lord's moving this way, but like I don't have a thus say of the Lord, so I can't know for sure. And so you just step out in faith. And then sometimes you have to step back as you go, not the Lord, right? And then sometimes you go, oh, it is the Lord. But the thing I can know for sure is when I read Husbands Love Your Wife Like Christ Loved the Church, 
Like, I don't have to come and say, well, I don't know if that's the Lord or not. When the Bible says don't commit adultery, I don't have to wonder, is that the Lord? I don't know if that's the Lord. I had a guy tell me once, and he said, the Lord has given me permission to cheat on my wife. But no lie. No lie. That's an extreme case. But I run into believers all the time who, they make little arguments like that, where they'll say, well, God showed me this, and God showed me this, and God showed me this, and it's not happening, so God's being unfaithful, or I don't know what even God's doing. Don't live that kind of life. You're going to drive yourself batty if you do that. Just rest in his word. Let that be enough for you. Now, that brings up the question, though. If they're only to stick to this and nothing else, then is the law of Moses all we need? Why do we have other books of the Bible? Why do we have the rest of the Old Testament? Why do we have a New Testament? The law of Moses was enough to show Israel how to live. But God did send other prophets to reinforce these truths. And thus we have the rest of the Old Testament. Now, this sending of prophets would culminate in the ultimate prophet, his son, Jesus Christ, right? And so thus we have the New Testament. And Moses prophesies of that here. Look at verse 15. He says, the Lord your God, so you don't listen to these guys, but there is someone coming you do need to listen to. The Lord your God will raise up unto you a prophet from the midst of you, of your brethren, like unto me, like unto Moses, unto him you shall listen. So Moses clearly reveals here that his writings aren't God's final word. Now they aren't to listen to all these abominable ideas in verses 9 through 14, but they would need to listen to the prophet God would send them. Now, whether Moses knew he was referring to the Messiah or not, we can't know. But the Jews understood that someone was coming who would lead them to freedom just like Moses did. And so this is why the religious leaders in Jesus' day, when John the Baptist started coming to preach, they said, are you Elijah? And he said, no. Are you the Messiah? He said, no. And the third thing they asked him was, are you that prophet that should come? They're referencing this. Are you that prophet? And he said, no. Well, who are you? (laughs) And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40. I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight paths in your heart for the Lord. Get ready for the Lord. He's coming soon. The Messiah's coming soon. I am the one to prepare the way for the Messiah. You might be saying, well, how do we know this is referring to Jesus and not some other prophet like Elijah or Jeremiah? Well, let's look at verses 16 through 18. He says what he'll be like according to. This is how it will go down. This is how you'll recognize this prophet. Three ways. Number one here, according to all that you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. You have to go back all the way to Mount Sinai when God is presence is there on the mountain and it's shaking and thundering and lightning and he gives the law. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. You shall remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Honor thy father and mother. You shall not steal. You shall not commit murder. All the the Ten Commandments. Well, when Israel heard the Ten Commandments, they're looking at each other and going, I broke that just an hour ago. I broke that this morning. And they're seeing that thunder and that fire up there and they're going, we're dead. And the Bible says they ran and hid themselves in their tents. And so Moses goes out and he goes, what are you doing? And they say, we don't want to talk to God anymore. We don't want him to talk to us. We're going to die if we do that. So how about you go talk to him? He likes you. You go talk to him. And then you tell us what he says. Now, when Moses went to the Lord about that, the Lord says, there's some wisdom there. They're recognizing their own sinfulness. That's a good thing. But he says, but tell him I'm not here to kill him. And so Moses says, listen, the Lord said it's a good thing because you need to be humble. 
and you need to repent, but God's not here to kill you. He's here to bless you. You don't need to be afraid of him. He's hearkening back to that story. The reason they asked that is because they wanted a mediator between God and them. Here, Moses is saying that this prophet, he will be a mediator between God and man, just like Moses was at Mount Sinai. Now, 1 Timothy 2.5 says what? There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's who? That's Jesus. So only Jesus can qualify for this. No other prophet can qualify for this. Only the Son of God. He is our mediator. Now, the second thing, verse 18, and I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Here we see that Moses says everything this prophet says will come straight from God. God did put his words in the mouths of the other prophets. Jeremiah actually is told by the Lord. Jeremiah says, I don't, I don't know how to speak. I'm not a preacher. I can't be a prophet for you. I'm a priest. And the Lord says to him, I will put my words in your mouth. So, I mean, technically every prophet, when they spoke for God, experienced that. But not quite like Jesus describes in his ministry. Turn to John chapter 8 with me. John 8, verses 25 through 30 It's interesting, they couldn't figure out who Jesus was either. And so they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said unto them, even the same that I've said to you from the beginning. He said, I've I've not changed my tune. I've exactly who I said I was. He says, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. Now they didn't understand that he was talking to them about the father. So then said Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up, crucified the son of man, then you will know that I am. Well, that's a powerful statement right there. I don't have time to get into that tonight. But then he says here, and that I do nothing of myself. So it's not just the words that he speaks, but everything he did, he didn't do any of it of himself. But as my father has taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And when they heard that, as he spoke these words, many believed on him. They thought, okay, he's the Messiah. He's that prophet. Everything he says will be straight from God. Not every prophet could say that. Remember when David said, he talked to the prophet Nathan and he was all excited. He goes, I got this plan. I'm going to build a house for God. And Nathan said to David, he goes, David, that's an awesome idea. Do whatever's in your heart. And so Nathan's leaving the palace, you know. And the Lord's like, hey, Nathan, you need to turn around. He's like, why, Lord? And he's like, well, that's not what I want you to do. I don't want David to build the temple. In fact, he can't build the temple. He's got too much blood on his hands. So you need to turn around and tell him. So Nathan has to go hike back up the stairs and go see David again and say, David, I spoke for me. See, that never happened with Jesus. Everything he said, everything he did came straight from his father. Jesus never acted on his own initiative. And, you know, God never had to say to him, you know, no, Jesus, that's not right. Everything he did came straight from the father. So only Jesus could be this prophet because that's what it says exactly he would do here. Now, lastly, it says in verse 19, And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Now that's a powerful thought. Our salvation will depend on how we respond to Jesus's revelation. No other prophet can claim that. Our salvation will depend on how we respond to Jesus's revelation. Look at John chapter 12 with me. John 12, and let's look at verses 44 through 50. And Jesus, he cried out and said, he that believes on me believes not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that sees me sees him that sent me. For I am come a light into the world that whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and does not believe them, I'm not going to judge him. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejects me and does not receive my words 
Already has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Now, can I say that? I can't say that. My word's not going to judge anybody. But Jesus' words will. Why? Verse 49. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father says it said unto me, so I speak. No other prophet can claim that. This can only be a reference to Jesus, only a reference to the Messiah. And why, do I, why am I harping on this? You might be thinking, it's obvious it's Jesus, Pastor Will. I bring it up because the whole Mormon faith is founded upon this prophecy being Joseph Smith. They say this is Joseph Smith, that he's that prophet that should come. The whole Muslim faith is based on this verse, that they believe that's talking about Muhammad. But none of these things Muhammad doesn't qualify for, neither does Joseph Smith. Only Jesus can be this prophet. So, Wanted to make sure that we covered that and we could understand why it could be only Jesus. Before we wrap up the section on prophets, I do want to point out we've covered judges, kings, priests, and prophets now. What is cool is that Jesus fulfills all four offices that we've studied in these last chapters. And that shows how everything in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. He is prophet, priest, judge, and king. You know, and if you have some time, our scripture reading was Psalm 110. Do a study there and you'll find all four there. The hardest one to find is how he's a prophet. And it's the very end, it says he will drink of the water of the brook and he will lift up the head. It means he's gonna take that water of life and give it to us. He finds us when we're down and he lifts us up with God's word. He pours that water of life, the scriptures into us so that we might lift our heads up and be renewed. So he's judge, he is prophet, he is priest, and he is king. Messiah will be all these. So each section here points forward to Jesus just like the rest of God's law. Isn't that cool? Now, because the enemy wants to deceive us, he doesn't want us to be in the truth, he will send those who impersonate God's prophets. And we must not listen to them. But how do we recognize them? Well, verse 20. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. So here's the general rule. If a self-proclaimed prophet, he presumes to speak a word in my name. The word there, presume, means to be, he's arrogant, cocky, and self-willed. In other words, the ideas that he shares come from his own heart and his own mind instead of from the Lord. And for that crime, if it's discovered that's who he is, it's capital punishment. Capital punishment was the crime for all false prophets, whether they claimed to follow God or other deities. So how do we determine if someone is speaking for God or not? Well, verses 21 and 22. And if you say in your heart, well, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? Verse 22. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, let the thing follow not nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. But that prophet has spoken it presumptuously out of his own heart, his own will. You shall not be afraid of him. So we find here two rules. Number one, if they speak in his name, then you need to evaluate what they said. But the clear thing there is if they don't speak in his name, then they're automatically false. If they speak in another God's name, they're automatically false. So that's number one. The second way, if they say they follow me, but it doesn't follow, it doesn't happen or it doesn't take place. Now, God's prophets don't have to be perfect people, but they require 100% accuracy when speaking for the Lord. If you're off even once, 
then you don't need to be afraid of them. You don't need to give them the respect that are given to prophets. You know, those who followed the Lord respected the prophets because they didn't want to displease or ignore their God. They would come and say, hey, the Lord says this, and be urging them to obey God. The people were supposed to be humble and receive that. But if somebody came and said something and it didn't happen, they said, I'm predicting, you know, a flood's going to come and destroy the state of Florida because we're wicked people. Well, if it doesn't happen, then don't ever listen to that person anymore. They're a false prophet. Now, what blows me away, (laughs) blows me away, is we have tons of people claiming to be prophets for God in the church, and they utter these false prophecies, and everybody still listens to them. That's what blows me away. I had a guy come up to me, and he overheard me talking to somebody about this false prophet, and apparently he liked this false prophet. And he said to me, what are you going to do when the flood comes and it destroys New York? And I said, well, can I ask you a question in return? Sure. I said, what are you going to do when it doesn't happen? Because in my understanding, folks who argue like you do, you just keep trusting that person. I already know this individual's predicted lots of other things that didn't happen. So I can tell you right now, I know a flood's not going to destroy the city of New York in September. This was like two years ago. It didn't happen. So what are they going to do? The Lord says, don't listen to that guy anymore. He's not from me. So if it doesn't happen, you don't need to listen to him. And it's a good, humble approach to listen to those who speak for the Lord. And it should be our approach today. But Paul also said this, follow me as I follow Christ, right? 1 Corinthians 11.1. So that implies when Paul stops following Jesus or he's getting things wrong, that they were to stop following him. Which gives us two other ways that we can recognize a false prophet. If they teach something opposite of what the scriptures reveal, they're not following Christ anymore. And that means you don't have to follow them anymore. And then fourthly, If their conduct is opposite to the character of Christ, then you don't have to listen to them either. Hebrews 13, 7 and verse 17 talks about remembering those who teach you the word of God, giving them respect, submitting to them, and following their faith, imitating their faith because they care for you and they're they're trying to help you. And we need to obey that exhortation. But the implication there is that the leader, the church leader, is lovingly teaching God's word faithfully, that they are faithfully serving God's people and they are faithfully living a godly life. And when that wasn't the case for a prophet in Israel, they didn't need to give that leader that respect. They needed to look at them as a leader anymore, and neither do we. If a church's leaders are failing to live godly lives, or they're failing to serve God's people and they expect to be served by God's people, or if they're not faithfully teaching God's word, not lovingly teaching God's word, then you need to find a church where the leaders are. (laughs) You know, you don't need to fear that. You don't need to give them that respect. So, in closing, where do we find answers in a crazy world? Right here. We go to Jesus. We look at his character. We trust his faithful servants who give us the word of God. We read our Bible. We pray. We get involved in our church. And as you do that, God will give you the answers that you need. And as we grow in finding those answers, like the Levites, we as God priests, we need to share those answers with others. Amen? Let's all stand. Lord, we want to stick to the basics, your word, you, your people. Lord, we want to hear from you. It's so easy, Lord, to get sidetracked. We sang that song this morning, Prone to Wander. And Lord, we we want those signs, those omens, those things that confirm to us, oh, this is God. And Lord, so often I find that, you know, you just don't work that way. You say, trust me. I love you. I've got principles to guide you. Trust me, and I'll take care of you. And Lord, I have to believe that as we do that, even when we make mistakes, because we're not perfect, Lord, we don't always hear perfectly. I have to trust that you don't knock us on the ground, Lord, but that you gently pick us up and you set us on the right path again. And I thank you for how you've done that in my life, Lord.
And so I pray for my dear brothers and sisters tonight that you'd bless them as they seek you. Pray you'd comfort them through your word and help us to rest there, to be satisfied with being there. And maybe not knowing all the steps, but just knowing the step that's in front of us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We may not turn to soothsayers, witches, or necromancers for answers nowadays, but when we put value on what other people say about the things of life over what God says, we have created an idol in our heart. We don't need to worry about our future. It is in God's hands, and He will see us through to the end. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.